Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Welcome to everybody linking in today from uh, Ganada. Not sure about Gaurin Armada, but I know that you are linking in from Ganada today. And so great to have you with us. Great to have everybody uh, around the place, out west on the coast, um, house to house, wherever you are. Great to have you in the room with us today. And we're going to get into this. This message is going to have a bunch of questions. It's super practical. And so I encourage you to take notes. Don't go on Facebook or Instagram. What a waste of this 30 minutes to be on Insta. Do that with the rest of your day. And um, do it while you're watching the footy, watching the Bulldogs get flogged or something. And, um, but for the next 24 uh, minutes or so, why don't you just focus in? And, uh, and if you're not sure, we'll give you the notes afterwards. Or you can go to the podcast and you'll be able to get the questions back. I want to talk this morning about three ways to create a worthy legacy, legacy whatever the season you're in. Three ways to create a worthy legacy, whatever the season you're in. I don't mean a life legacy this morning. I just mean a legacy from the season that we're in right now because we're always in a season. You're in a season right now. I'm in a season right now. And out of that season will flow some kind of legacy. There will be something that remains when the season is done. There will be something that can potentially rise when the season is done. And what it looks like for you is different from me. Everyone's season is unique, but I'm in one. You're in one. And I want to talk about that today so that we can, by design, have a legacy flow from the season that we're in. Uh, I think of legacy this way. It's what remains and what can rise when my season is done. What, what remains and what can rise when my season is done. Uh, I, the, 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 this message really flowed out of I've been to three funerals in four weeks. And... I don't feel like I'm old enough yet to go to three funerals in four weeks, but I have been. And, and it started me to think, I, 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 in two of those um, gatherings in particular, the legacy of uh, the two people's lives who'd passed this life for the next was incredible. And they were very ordinary people. They were just everyday people. They worked regular jobs, lived in suburban homes, drove, you know, average cars and all that kind of thing. But... but when you listen to their life in an unfiltered, clear way, you recognize that actually incredible legacy had come from their life, especially their faith. And that got me to thinking, and then I was wandering around here, and, and I ran into Frank Coleman. Some of you will know Frank. He, he, um, he volunteers around here a lot. In fact, sometimes I feel like Frank is here more than me, and I'm paid to be here. And I'll regularly be bumping around in, because most of the staff are in that building, I'll be regularly bumping around in this building on my own, and Frank will be here. And I'm thinking, he deserves a pay rise, at least 15% on what he's already getting. And so he's gone up to zero dollars, which is great. But Frank's regularly here, and I thought, you know, not everybody gets replaced. One day they'll replace me here, and the church probably, hopefully, if we do it right, won't skip a beat. But... With Frank, I I went, you know what? When Frank steps out, I feel like something, there will be a hole and there'll be a legacy. And so I I don't know if you're ready for it, if someone wants to be the person who just volunteers six days a week, uh, about 7.30 a.m. till about 9 p.m. If you'd like that job instead of Frank, we're prepared to pay you exactly what we pay Frank um, to do that role. But the reality is that 
this season that he's in will have a legacy likely that flows from it. Thank you, Jerry. Um, We will be a little while, but you are welcome to make yourself comfortable, my friend. (laughs) What's that? What happened? Oh, yeah, just hang around. You can sit there if you want. Highly organized this morning. We're all over it. Thank you, Jerry. (laughs) Well, I was going to sing. All right, I'm lost now. Let Let me find my place. All right. We're always in a season. It's going to be a legacy from it. So listen to this. Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel from slavery to the promised land it was. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That's a good innings. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Tamath Herez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaesh. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who, listen to this, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Just one generation later, the, all the advantages of blessing, they grew up and didn't know the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served foreign gods. The Joshua generation, as they were known, left an incredible legacy. They had gone from slavery to landowners. They'd gone from people serving others to get through the day to people with farms and property and cattle and livestock, and and they were doing well. They owned multiple properties in Sydney's eastern suburbs, if they were alive today. They They were doing well, and everything was great. And they left this incredible legacy for their children. They pioneered the frontiers. They risked their lives. They had blood, sweat, and tears for many decades going from nothing and slavery to prosperity and flourishing. And it was an incredible legacy that they left their children, but they left one thing undone. They left them nothing spiritually. Nothing spiritually. And to give a next, the next generation everything and give them nothing spiritually is to leave them poverty-stricken. It is. If you're a believer in Jesus today, I tell you, my mum didn't leave me much. I wish she did. Um, I wish she'd left me more than that dolphin painting that she left me that went into the garage and was never seen again. I wish she did. But I'll tell you what she did leave. She left me and my brothers an incredible spiritual legacy, which has really caused our lives to prosper and flourish over the decades. And I'm so thankful for it. And listen to what it says. It says, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done. And, and, and you go, well, Darren... You can't really put the blame on them. I think on that line, I agree that we all own our own spiritual state, but there is something that some of them at least need to own, that they left a legacy, but some of them left one that wasn't spiritual. They left them nothing. And so clearly at some some level, some of them didn't make the effort to tell them the stories of how they arrived here. Uh, And so they pass away, the next generation comes, and we land in the book where we just read from, the book of Judges, and the book of Judges it really covers a dark, dark period in the story of the people of God. And, and right at the heart of what the book of Judges says, which I think is so interesting in our day, here was their core problem in the book of Judges. Each person did what was right in their own eyes. That's what it says. It says the reason they, 
descended into a dark period uh, for the people of God was that there was no God at the center and each person did really whatever they thought was best. And so they descend in this, into this period without God at the center. Now, in the middle of this, this would happen time and again, emerges a guy called Othniel. Othniel. And what's interesting about Othniel in the generation that he was amongst was he grew up at the same time as this generation who didn't know God nor his ways. But Othniel did. So over here you have this legacy of a generation who knew almost zero. And over here you have Othniel who was part of the same generation who it says he led the turnaround of the people of God in the time in which he lived. Well, what was different? Well, Othniel grew up under the influence of Caleb. Now, if you've been around church a little while, you know that Caleb was a godly leader who lived a godly life, who lived for God, heart and soul. So these guys over here prospered, blessed financially, materially, great, but they're about to head into a difficult time. And here's Othniel and he turns up. And because of the legacy left him, what remained had something that could rise spiritually. And that's the power of legacy in the human life. Imagine a church more interested in the impact it has and the legacy that it leaves than how they're perceived. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine that um, believers who are interested more in the legacy they leave, the impact that they have, than what happened to them. Imagine that. And, and imagine parents or, or even disciples of Jesus more interested in the spiritual legacy that remains and can rise from this stage of life. Imagine that. I think something incredible can go on. And so imagine for a moment the legacy possible and that can remain and rise from the season you're in right now. It, it might be character. It might be someone else's life. I'm not sure what it is, but legacy can come. We're all in a season. Uh, listen to this, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, coming up on the screen. Let me read it to you. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. There's a time to weep, unfortunately. There's a time to laugh, good news for Bronnie. Time to mourn, a time to dance. Aren't you glad? There's a time to dance. Rhythm and melody. Bron and I were at a wedding one time. Bron loves to dance. And uh, I've been a Christian too long to know how to dance. And she, I didn't want to dance, and she threw out like a fishing rod, like doing this. And, uh, and I just looked across the floor and went, and cut the line. And not because I don't love my wife, just because I'm so awkward. Look at me. Do you think I can dance? Anyway, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up a time to keep and a time to throw away, and the passage um, just goes on in the same vein. And so, so you get the idea. There's a time for every activity under, sun, under the sun. The Bible says here in verse 1 that there's a, everything has its season. In another place in the same book, it says everything is beautiful in its time. There are seasons to life. There are ugly seasons. There are hard seasons. There are wonderful seasons. There are seasons. There are the seasons of your teens, aren't there, mate? There are seasons of your teens. And within the season of the teens, there's a whole bunch of other seasons which I don't even want to dwell in and dwell, dwell on, but season of your teen. And there's, there are the seasons of being single. Maybe that becomes a life. There are, there, there, for some people, there's a season of having young kids. Who knows? That's absolutely exhausting. I'm tired thinking about the thought. And, 
Just having young kids is exhausting. There's a season of being empty nesters. There's a season of going to university or doing a trade. There's all these seasons in life of grief and of growth and of transition and of faithful, of influence and effectiveness. There is a season they call year 12 and there is others. There's a season of the other side of divorce. There's my favorite theme and favorite season where everything is awesome. I don't know if you can picture the Lego song right now, but that's what happens to me. Everything is awesome. It's a great season of life, but it doesn't go on forever. They are long. They are short. There are seasons. I love autumn. It's my favorite time of the year. It's made for people with skin like me. Love autumn. But it's a season, and it will soon come to pass, and we'll be in winter. There are seasons of life in the natural, and there are seasons of life for us. And we're all in a season. So this week is the first thing I'd love you to do is to just, can you articulate the season that you're in? In a quiet time with God, could you get your head around that? Because to create a legacy on purpose, we need to understand maybe a little more the season we're in. And it's good to understand the season. It's good to understand so we can navigate the season. It's good to understand so that we can have a legacy that flows from the season. What's the season you're in? And then create some perspective on the season we're in. Let me explain. Like I said, I've been to three funerals in four weeks. A couple of those people, um, one of those people in particular, I'm especially close to. That's that's painful. It's been a um, full start to the year. I've had to personally deal with some discouragement this year. I, I get I get devastated by people falling through the cracks spiritually um, by their own choice. So that that been a little bit in the post-COVID period that's discouraging for someone like me. I hate seeing that happen to somebody's life and the effect that that can then have. Uh, there's been more to do than time to do it, although that's not a new thing. Um, it's just been a funny season in some ways. It's had plenty of load and plenty of emotion. And I've said um, privately, I said, some days I feel strong and brittle, strong and brittle, both at the same time. And if you just take that perspective, the way I just gave it to you, go, that's a hell of a season down. But the truth is, The season that I'm in in life right now, it's like a golden season. That's the truth. Like if you look at it with perspective, it's a golden season. My marriage is strong. I'm married to a wonderful wife. I'm not just saying that from a pulpit because it's the right thing to do. We're just in a great stage of our married life. 20 years married, we're way better than we were at one year, way better than we were at seven years, probably better than we were at 19 years. Now there's been some difficult seasons, but this one right now, everything is awesome. And our kids, they're just good kids right now. Some are better than others. But, you know, everything is, everything's good. It's a good season. Church is good. Um, you know, for the first time in our life, we probably earn real money. And, you know, like, sorry, I'm not allowed to say that. I'll take that back. Take that off the podcast, please. But I'm just saying, what I'm really saying there is, you know, I don't have to think whether we'll be able to um, meet the bills this week. It's a good season for us. And... There are all sorts of things. It's a good season. I work with, we work with wonderful people. Um, and, you know, I get to do wonderful and great opportunities all around us. It's a good season. I know that when the fullness of time goes, and if I get to live old and look back, I'll look back on the season and go, that was a golden period. I'll just want to go just for an hour back to it and hug everyone that I've worked with and known and go, oh, I'd love to just be in a Sunday back then just for a moment in Time, just like when if you've had little kids and they're not little anymore, you know when you see someone else's, I'll watch my nieces and my nephews and, I'm like, and I'll see a photo of my kids and go, oh, I wish I could go back to four, two and zero and just hug them. 
but at about 10.30 in the morning when they're really, really happy and not hungry and complaining and probably only for about 23 minutes, then get me out of there before, you know, it all breaks out and goes bad. So, but there's, there's a, and, and so just getting perspective on the season because some people are always in a difficult season and I think they miss the point. It, sometimes it's not that it's difficult, it's just that it needs perspective. Now, sometimes it is difficult, and don't think I'm being overly positive, because I've had seasons that are so difficult and so painful in my own life, I, 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 wouldn't, I can't begin to tell you how deeply they cut and hurt in their heart. But getting perspective on the season and inviting perspective into the season from the trusted and the wise really helps us move through. And so what's the season that you are in? Create perspective around it. And then I forgot it again. I forgot it again. Because, you know, the Bible says that um, life is like a mist. It just appears for a moment. And I meant to bring a spray bottle with me so that you would remember. Um, uh, you know, at home, some of you have heard Bron say that all you have to do to be romantic with Daz is to get a bottle of Pinoclean and spray it around. I love the smell of a clean house. That's how I grew up. But, you know, I'm the one who gets the spray out excessively and, and you spray it and you wipe and then it's gone. And the Bible says that is life. It's a vapor that appears for a moment and then it's gone. And so how much more the season? How much more the season we are in? How much more is it just a vapor that appears and then it's soon gone? And so we want to leave a legacy from the season, don't we? So here I want to give you three ways to create a worthy legacy, whatever the season you're in. Number one, legacy does think future. It just, it thinks future. It's, it's got its eye on tomorrow. It's got its eye on eternity. And it's thinking future. Legacy imagines future possibilities. For example, when our kids were very little, Bron and I determined this, um, that, that, you know, in terms of their faith, we wanted to ensure that our kids came up in an environment where it would become easy to say yes to Jesus, that to serve Jesus, they wouldn't have to overcome what had been modeled to them or seen by them, but to rebel against Jesus, they would have to overcome everything that they'd seen and everything that's been modeled. And so we made decisions like, you know, for us, church, man, our kids used to fall asleep under pews. Like, we just like, they can be in church. That's good for our kids. If we're going to create that kind of legacy, they're going to learn to just be in church and love it and all of that kind of thing. And we're going to do all that. We're going to, we're going to make sure that around our table are great people, are godly people, that, that into their lives are great people and godly people. And if someone gets in a toxic place and a negative place, it's not that we won't help them, but they're not getting near our kids because there'll be enough of that at school and life for that going. And, and I live with enough pastors as I grew up to go, no, I'm not doing that. I want my kids to experience the people who love Jesus and who are living for God, who have got a great spirit and live generously. And so we've worked really hard to make sure that's what our kids have experienced because life will happen. They'll get to see the rest of it anyway. And, and, and then there are other things that we've endeavored to do. We've endeavored to make our home warm and fun and, or bronze made it fun and, and all of that kind of thing. And hopefully that will seed a legacy that remains or that can rise, although we don't get to control it but we're thinking about the future. And with that in mind, I want you to stand for a minute. You know, ask the drummer to come. Yeah, everyone welcome the drummer. Can you just keep welcoming the drummer? Just keep your hands coming, just keep it coming. Keep it, let's speed it up. Let's keep that. You can do this. 
If the drummer comes soon, where is the drummer? It's now becoming awkward. All right, you keep tapping. I'm going to become the drummer. Keep clapping. Very good. Righto, you can take a seat. Thanks for that. Beautiful drumming. Slightly improved on the other guys this morning, I thought. Here's my son. My son is a fourth generation Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs supporter. Fourth generation. First time in four generations we've been hopeless. And, but he is. And when Lockie was born and when the girls um, were born, uh, as I started to grow, um, my brother offered my, one of my daughters a bribe, and so the girls came to me and said, hey, Dad, um, what will you give us to go for the Bulldogs? I went, oh, if you need something to go for the Bulldogs, you don't get in. So you go for whoever you want. And I looked at Lockie and I said, son, you don't get a choice. You will go for the Bulldogs. And Lockie, being two, was very compliant to his dad. And here we are. See, when Lockie, pretty well from the moment he was born, and the second he was old enough to sit in front of the TV, Lockie has been seated with the thought that he will go for the Bulldogs all of his life and that they will be the greatest rugby league team he has ever seen. And here we are. This is the power of thinking future and seeding legacy. Will you put your hands together for my son? So what some of you don't know and what some of you will remember is that when Lockie was little, I realized that around church I thought, there's not many Bulldog supporters. And so I started this thing. I did leverage the pulpit for my own advantage. And I'd start to say to kids, and we might bring it back, I'd say, kids, if you're under seven and you want to go for the Bulldogs, I will buy you something. I will buy you a beanie or a scarf or socks. Or... And we st I started to say that every week for ages. And, and the reality is that some of the kids go for the Bulldogs now. And the idea is that I'm thinking future. See, I'm thinking when they were this big, I was thinking one day when the Bulldogs made the grand final, we're going to have the best party ever because it's going to be this whole generation of kids that go for them. Now, it could be a while based on current statistics. It could be a very long while, but sometime before Lockie is my age, the Bulldogs will play in a grand final. We were talking about it last night with a few of those young boys who now go for the Bulldogs going, boys, we're going to be at a grand final one day. We're going to be at a grand final. We're going to be sitting in the stadium. It's going to be awesome one day. Don't worry about today. The day is coming when the Bulldogs will make a grand final. Legacy thinks future. Legacy acts in faith. Legacy imagines future possibilities. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith acts with a can be and what will be. I it sees it. Every, strong, every, every young parent modeling Sunday strong. Every young parent putting the Bible on the table. Every young parent praying around dinner. You're seeding a legacy that your kids won't forget. Trust me, I'm one of them. It goes in, something goes on. Every person speaking out the good and the gold in someone as to what a person, who a person is becoming. It's speaking to them, it's seeding legacy beyond the season. You know, if you're a teacher, I was talking about Soph this morning and she seeds thoughts into Bella and who Bella is and what she sees in Bella. And that is seed that has legacy that remains and can rise. Every time a person opens up the scriptures with someone, every time an a Christian employee has a great work attitude and a great work ethic and a great public faith. Every time a person lives like that in a season, something goes on for seed to go in, for something to remain, for legacy to rise. And, 
And I think it's so simple. Number three, leggy, legacy influences now for next. It happens right here and right now. And I love that about God. It's just right here, right now. It's not waiting for tomorrow. It's not waiting for a day that's yet to be. It's right here, right now. It builds daily. What we do in this season has a legacy that remains and a legacy that can rise. And if God's in it, the legacy potential of today has supernatural power and exponential potential. So incredibly powerful. So as I wrap, we're always in a season. What's the season you're in? What will be the legacy of the season, from the season that you're in? And the third question is, what will you do about it next? What will you do about it now? So that that legacy has every chance of becoming a reality in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.